embracing who you are, what you enjoy, and being okay with it to share with the world, it's great because that's what's going to get other people to gravitate towards you. But there is that fear of vulnerability, another big word out there, which actually vulnerability is such a strength when it comes to business and people. Welcome to Queer Hustle, where we talk to the hottest up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs about growing businesses, creating dream lifestyles, and taking care of each other. Your host, Michelle Coyle, sits down to work together to explore what's possible when you approach business with full authenticity. Hey, everybody, it's Michelle, and this is Queer Hustle, where we showcase the coolest queer entrepreneurs in the world. And today we have Anita Kwan from Real Hoop Productions with us. We're so happy to have you. Anita, you want to introduce yourself to the crew? Yeah, thank you for having me. My name is Anita Kwan. I go by she, her, and I am a Chinese-American lesbian in Columbus, Ohio, running my own video production company called Real Hoot, real as in film reel and hoot as an owl, because I love a good pun and video making has always been a very fun process for me. And I just kind of want to share that joy with the world and show that video production can be fun. It's not intimidating. And to also focus uh, my business on helping other women, queer, women of color, people of color, I mean, grow their business through sharing their stories and video. Awesome. I love it. The really, really, really cool mission. We want to showcase people's stories. We want to amplify everybody's experience and have representation everywhere. Like, absolutely. That's what we're all about here at Queer Hustle, too. How'd you get into this? Why video? Yeah. So video has... It's such a powerful tool to share stories and get so many get so many people to just listen and hear what you have to offer. I think for me it's growing up I've always been a creative and video for me has always been a great outlet to just like really really just like shine. I've always been an introvert when I was little and the one thing that always kept me creative and motivated and energized was making videos with my friends. And so for me, it was really exciting to see like everyone else around me get excited when it came to making videos and to see the final product once it was put out, just seeing people's expression on their faces and stuff, um, how exciting it was to see video. But then growing, growing in that into a business. I just really love connecting with people and sharing their stories. And so for me, uh, I really love really getting to know people's why, because that's kind of the core on what we do with with our business and with our life. And so uh, there's a lot of value in stories to share, to connect with people, and it builds that trust and that following. I, well, I love that this was like a childhood hobby for you that's now turned into a whole business. Like, that's super cool. Did you, did you always know that that's what was going to happen? Did you try other stuff and then come back to this? Or Yeah. So after college, I actually tried to start my own business. And this was when I was like 21. And I had a business partner then. And this was me and my business partner. We were focused on making videos all about Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio is kind of like a gem city in Ohio. Not a whole lot of people know about it. People think of like cornfields when they think of Ohio. But Columbus is this really awesome little city that's like 
pretty freaking gay and um, has a lot of cool bars and shops and lots of entrepreneurs, lots of stuff like happen here. And I went to Ohio State, uh, which is a really big college in Columbus, Ohio. And me and my business partner, then we were both graduating. We didn't know too much about Columbus. So we were like, why don't we like, after we graduate, let's explore Columbus and let's like also record it on video and show people what it's all about. So this is also kind of around the time when like vlogs and uh, YouTube things started to get really popular. So we kind of wanted to like, I know you're old when you say vlog, I'm old too. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, vlog. I remember that term. Yeah. Vlogging. Yeah. And so I had my camera and my business partner then was more of like the personality. So we were just like literally running around town with this camera recording us like eating at all these restaurants and like giving out reviews. Uh, We were like interviewing people who were doing cool shit around town entrepreneurs starting businesses or starting um, like events and stuff like that all around Columbus. And so we were doing that. We didn't really have a solid business plan, but we really just were having such a good time doing that. And then in terms of work, we were both working like two, three other jobs (laughs) just to like sustain, like doing all the things. Yeah. So that unfortunately didn't work out since we were like, so like, Instagram wasn't a thing then really like we just like in terms of social media we we didn't know like exactly what we're doing but you're ahead of your time that's okay yeah we were a little ahead (laughs) there were definitely parts of me that wish I we stuck with it because look at how social media has just like you know blown up right now so after that I I did find a, a more sustainable job in video that was more like weddings which was great Cause I learned a lot as like my first job out of college doing video, doing weddings, really, again, going back to like loving people and their stories. Like I was just constantly surrounded by people filming weddings and I loved the energy cause it was just all like full of love. And, but then after that, I was just like, so burnt out cause wedding, the, the wedding industry is just so fast paced and got to be on your toes and recording always was stressful for me. Cause you had to like catch the moment or else like once it's gone, it's gone. But so I did that for a couple of years and I was getting a little burnt out and I, I, and I wanted to go back to being more like creative again, creative and like share more stories like weddings were just kind of like very one story like yeah everyone has their like you know love story but I want to share like other stories so I moved on worked for a video agency that worked on doing a lot of brand videos unfortunately I got laid off from that job and so as I was looking for other jobs it occurred to me that a lot of the agencies I was walking into were full of men especially cis hetero white men. And like every time I walked into a space that was full of that, I felt a little uncomfortable, even though, you know, a lot of them were very friendly, but you know, there's still something to be said. Like when you walked into space and you don't see any diversity, you're just kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> so thinking about like what I really wanted to do, I was like, you know what, I, I want to do my own thing and I want to be my own boss. And like, maybe one day I can slowly build real hoot into a crew that uh, full of people who like look like me. So I I got to do some freelancing while I was looking for a job, but 
But then it turned into like, okay, I was getting enough work to sustain my own business and and build real hoot. And so here I am now going into my fifth year in business by my by myself. Congratulations. It's huge. You know, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago about, you know, you walk into the organization, you're looking for a job, you know, or a few different organizations, and you just see a bunch of uh, of homogenous folks that look the same. And I think this is one of these things we've talked about it on Queer Hustle before. Not all discrimination is blatant. It's not always somebody calling you a nasty name or something that, you know, everybody would say, oh, that's beyond the pale. That's completely misogynist. That's completely racist. That's completely homophobic. A lot of times this stuff is subtle. And I think what's, what, what folks don't understand sometimes is that when we walk into a space and we don't see anybody that looks like us, it, we're not saying that like at 19 out of 20 of those guys might be great guys. They might be super friendly. They might be amazing. One, we know kind of one guy is going to be a and we don't know which one it is. And that's the part that's terrifying, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah, that's why there were times where I even thought like, man, if I was offered this job, do I, do I really want it though? <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I don't want to be that person to have to like always explain myself or like, I've been in too many situations where like, it's like, oh, ha ha, yeah, your joke is funny. When really it's like, no, oh, that's like microaggression there you're throwing around. <laughs> like, There's that constant calculus, right? Like, is it worth it for me to say something? And when you're in the minority and in any intersection and especially like the extreme minority like that, right? Like it's, when is it ever worth it to say something? And that's kind of the catch 22. You have to like the, the onus on somebody to be like so brave to step up in a room full of, everybody else and say, Hey, that wasn't cool. Hey, that hurts my feelings because of this, or Hey, that you may not know this maybe, you know, and that's okay. But like, don't say it like that because, and then you get branded as troublemaker, aggressive, annoying, you know, status quo of the, you know. Yeah. I think if there was like a different approach, perhaps like in the very beginning where they were like actually invested in like, Hey, how would you like to like do things or how would you like to see this company do things or something that might change my mind a little bit. But I think a lot of times, especially in the film industry, there's a lot of film bros out there and all they really care about is like gear and like software and equipment and stuff like that. Whereas for me, I'm like the flip side. I'm like, you know, gear and stuff is great. Anyone can make a video, like create a video, but like what's really, what really matters is like the story, the substance, and that's what carries it. I mean, the pandemic has really showed us that quality doesn't really matter. There's so many videos out there that everyone shot in their phone, but it's getting views because people are like pouring themselves out into them. I, I love that point because I do think it's it's easy when you're doing video or any other kind of production to get caught up on, you know, what does it look like? What is the, you know, is it the highest possible quality? And it's, you know, you're right. It doesn't matter. Something can be beautifully shot if there's no substance to what people are talking about in the video. So your whole business is around showcasing people's stories and visual storytelling, right? And you're doing that for business owners around Columbus, which I love. I just, I love the story about you running around Columbus and being like, I don't know why we're doing this, but we're doing it. <laughs> and then you actually getting to do that. When you're trying to get, get a good story out of somebody, right? I'm sure there are some people you shoot that are just like, and it's easy and it flows out. And then there's other people that you shoot that you have to work a little bit harder. Tell me about that process. Tell me about uh, what's important when it comes to getting people to share what's actually going to connect with their viewers. Yeah, yeah. I, I love interviewing people <laughs> because I feel like there's a lot of psychology involved and I and I love like 
just getting to know people and kind of like what makes them tick or what makes them excited and things like that. Cause a lot of times people just want to share, like if you imagine an iceberg, they only want to share the tip and what just shows and stuff. But a lot of the good stuff is like underneath in the water. And those are the things that people actually really want to know and care about. So for me, usually when I draft interview questions, I draft something pretty like basic stuff that like they're comfortable with, with answering and stuff. And along the lines of in, in that interview, I'll pick something out in their answers and kind of hone in on those and start asking more questions about that. And so in a way, the pressure is off. Like they don't feel pressure to like answer the one, the, an, the questions I gave them to like answer them perfectly. But if I ask like follow-up questions here and there, they tend to like loosen up a bit more and relax. And those are usually the ones that I use to help tell the story in video. I love that. Um, and I'm honing my skills as an interviewer as well. So let me just flip that back around on you and say, what's up, what's what's underneath your iceberg? What's the... Yeah, no, I mean, you're already doing it now, which I'm uh, picking up on. So <laughs> you're doing a great job. <laughs> what's that meet for you? Like, what are, what are those things that you don't always easily share in everyday conversation, but you think it's really important for, for our viewers to know and our viewers being like, queer folks who are maybe thinking about starting a business, people who, or maybe have started a business and they, they realize, oh shit, this is a lot harder than I thought. And they're looking at you and you're in year five doing what you love, doing what you love to do as a child, doing what you ran around after college doing and turned it into a business. And I'm sure there were hard parts about it. Yeah, totally. I was thinking about this actually earlier today and like why stories and like why sharing our stories matter so much. I think a lot of it has to do with just being really self-aware of who you are. I know the word be like authentic is being thrown around a lot, but like it's true, like really embracing who you are, what you enjoy and being okay with it to share with the world. It's great because that's what's going to get other people to gravitate towards you. But there is that fear of vulnerability, another big word out there, which actually vulnerability is such a strength when it comes to business and people, because it it's our way to connect. And again, if we see someone who is like us, we're going to want to like oh, get to know them more. And like, how did you do the things that you do? And like, maybe I can do it too. And, and it gives that opening for someone to like, want to reach out to. Queer Hustle is sponsored by BGSD Strategies. BGSD Strategies helps queer owned businesses scale past the $10 million revenue mark and more. To learn more, visit www.bgsdstrategies/slay. It's such an interesting topic for me because I think, you know, it's general entrepreneurship advice. We're always telling people to be authentic. That's what makes you connect with you and makes you, you know, magnetic and all of those things. As queer people, that's complex for us. And especially as we layer on age onto that, I feel like, you know, and I'm and I'm generalizing, obviously, but a lot of younger queer folks are a little more comfortable being authentic. Some of the older queer folks that I work with as entrepreneurs, I mean, it's, I'm talking 50s, 60s, 70s, they've come from a time when they really felt like they had to hide a lot of who they were in order to get by in the world, especially in the business world, and are just now sort of stepping into authenticity. So, you know, we we always have to walk that line. And depending on, you know, same thing with trans clients that we have, like, depending on where you live in the country, you know, 
you've got to look at your own safety, what works for you, you know, and balance that with this authenticity. This is not easy for a lot of people. I mean, what do you think about like, where's that line between I got to keep myself safe and I want to be transparent. I want to be vulnerable. I want to, you know, connect with people authentically. Right. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Cause I, I, for a bit, I was kind of in that same boat too. <laughs> when I started my business, I kind of promoted myself like, oh yeah, I'm a videographer and I'm an editor. But now, um, as I'm getting more comfortable with myself and like wanting to attract the clients that I want, I am specifically saying women, people of color and LGBTQ plus community. Um, And it took a little bit to kind of get comfortable saying that because in a way, it feels like you're kind of eliminating, eliminating or like, uh, like, oh, what if I don't get this project because I'm like saying this and things like that. But I think it's just getting over that hurdle, that fear of business not growing because you're going to be out. I think it's more about leaning into it and seeing the greatness that can come out of it. And so it might not be like a quick transaction, if you will, but it's definitely going to be a growing process. And so I would, I I always encourage people to try it out, test it, like just start, just start connecting with people, start putting yourself in spaces with people who are like you. Cause honestly, my business has grown because of connections. And so I, and it's the advice I give a lot of young folks too when they come out of college is to don't worry so much about building your resume and things like that. It's like, go connect with people. Those are the people that are going to really help you out. You know, it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about queer community and how important community is to, to queer folks, to queer entrepreneurs. And as that sort of first layer, that first step of like, I might not feel like I can be safe or out or authentic everywhere, but I feel like I can be safe and out and authentic here. And then I can get a little bit reinforced here. And maybe that helps me take that next step you know, into what feels good. So I love that you're a queer person working uh, with queer people as well as, you know, women, people of color, like, but just telling the stories that don't always get told. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to build that space where people feel comfortable and a safe space, but also a brave space, uh, which is a term I just learned recently. I love using that term brave space, but yeah, where people can just like show up, be themselves and um, not have to worry. Well, and that's what's so meta and cool about you showing up and being yourself because you go back to those like cishet white dudes at the front, like you could be the coolest, well-meaning, nicest cishet white dude in the world. And you could have a mission that you wanted to showcase stories of people who don't normally get showcased and you could go and you could show up with your camera. So you just being who you are and showing up is giving permission to be who they are and show up fully, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because because I know I know that feeling. So I, I try to always be very intentional um, with how I show up and the questions I ask and the way I approach. It's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot that people don't really think about. So I've got I'm going to pivot to like a straight up business question, mostly because I'm just curious and this is my show. So I get to ask whatever I'm curious about. As a videographer, a, a, a visual storyteller, your business must have gone nuts in the last year. It's it's so interesting to me, like so many businesses struggled um, with the pandemic in the last year, but then there were just these specific niche businesses that did really well. And, and, and video obviously being one of them because all of a sudden everything went online. Tell me about how that impacted your business and how you, were you ready for that? Were you, was it exciting? Was it scary? Like what happened? 
Oh gosh. It was, it was all the things. <laughs> it was scary because I was going to have a pretty good year where I had pretty much a lot of uh, stuff booked throughout the year. I was going to travel and I was pretty much set to go. The pandemic hit, all my shoots got canceled. Everyone kind of went silent for a little bit because, you know, everyone's trying to figure out their shit first. Totally fine. I get it. It was a kick in the butt for me, a good one, because I needed to reevaluate my business as well and figure out like, okay, how can I pivot? And also <clears throat> it was an opportunity for me to really be more intentional of what I wanted to do with my business. And so I started like immediately reaching out to the queer community <laughs> and I started doing a little show for myself too. Uh, I was interviewing uh, other queers and I called it combos with queers on my Instagram just because, yeah, I really missed going out networking with people. I just really wanted to continue to like build that connection and also just knowing the queer community, like, you know, we're already like just so marginalized and the pandemic hits, like we need connection. So um, I started my own little show. Then George Floyd happened. And so I, that was like kind of the main focus for a little bit. And so I, that's when my show kind of stopped. Anyway, going back to your question. So I noticed a lot of people going online and doing videos on their phone or on their computer. And I've had several people reach out to me just needing assistance on how to to film better because phone qualities really are not that bad. You just have to know how to work the camera. And like, there are, there are tons of like iPhone commercials made. Yeah. Using like iPhones and stuff. So it's really about just like good lighting, good sound. And then when it comes to editing footage, that's where a lot of people get stuck. Cause that is a lot more technical skills, but also storytelling because people's stories are like this big, but they just have trouble making it this. <laughs> and that's, and that's where my sweet spot is. I know how to make um, stories fit like this. Oh man, I wish I could bring you along to um, help edit some of my relative stories. Uh, I don't think they watch this, so it's cool. Five minutes of wisdom out of the 30 minute story. Right. And I'm sure like they're, they're thinking like, no, this is five minutes of greatness. And it's like, yeah, it is. But like, do people really want to sit around for five minutes and listen to this? Like <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds. What's, what's important? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I come in there and I just slash it and bring the good stuff in for the 30 seconds and show that. <laughs> It's awesome. Look, I, I I can see how much joy you find in your work. When you talk about your work, you just light up um, for people listening that can't see Anita. She's lighting up. Her, her smile is huge, glowing when she talks about her work. So, so cool to be able to talk to somebody that's just able to turn their actual passion into a business. And I know that's the kind of cliche advice that everybody gets just, oh, just do what you love. And like, we know as business owners that it's a little more than that. Like, so there has to be a plan when you try to do it without a plan and it go so well. Where do you think, you know, if for people watching, listening, they've got their passion, they know they need a plan. What's your best advice for how to turn your passion into a plan? I think it goes back to being self-aware. Just know who you are, know what you like, know what brings you joy, make connections, find out people who have similar interests and see what they're doing that works for them. Stuff that they do might not work for you, but it's just good to know what else is out there. For me, I tried a lot of things before really getting down to like 
doing video and also honing in into like the stories I want to tell and things like that. When I first started my business, I was doing a lot of events and training videos. Training videos aren't very like storytelling, but as years gone down, I've learned to to like really want to tell more stories more. And so that's so I I change my narrative in my business more to like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna work with like other small business owners because I'm a small business owner. So I wanna help them too. But yeah, so yeah, just get to know yourself more, build connections and be vulnerable and ask for help. Wise words from a wise queer woman. Thank you so much, Anita Kwan, for being on today. That's Real Hoop Productions in Columbus. If y'all want to look Anita up and you want your story told, she'll hook you up. Really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Queer Hustle. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit michellecoyle.com slash podcast. There, you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com slash queerhustle. Until we meet again next week, go out there and let it shine.